All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 119 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. Welcome in Frank Saravalli from uh, lovely Philadelphia. And uh, we are into the final few weeks of the season, Frank. And, uh, you know, lots happening uh, over this past weekend. Let's start with uh, the one playoff race for a playoff spot involving Vegas and L.A., and uh, L.A. losing yesterday, they are now they got eight games. Vegas has nine. And uh, if Vegas wins their game in hand, then they'll technically be in the playoffs because they have more regulation wins. You look at their schedules down the stretch. Uh, Vegas does have a tougher schedule as far as uh, opponents. If you look at quality, L.A. only plays one playoff team down the stretch. But it looks like the injuries to the Kings defense have have slowly started to catch up to them. Man, it's a swoon at the exact wrong time for the LA Kings, who maybe like two, three weeks ago seemed to have this playoff spot all but locked up. And it's not just the injuries. They've also, I mean, they've really lost some tough games as they've, you know, appeared to get some more guys back. And you think, okay, maybe the worst of it's over. Yeah, I don't. They've they've opened the door wide open for the Vegas Golden Knights. the The Golden Knights have gotten a bit of a gift here in terms of that opening. 
Oh, yeah. No question. Now, as I mentioned, the King, they play in Chicago. Like to me, that that game in Chicago is bordering on a must win because they play the next night in Colorado. And I would say that's going to be a loss for sure. So, uh, you know, you've got a game in Chicago. Uh, you got a home and away with them. You got a home and away with the Ducks. You got Seattle, Vancouver and Columbus as the other seven games. And then the, the Colorado one is the one I look at as kind of like a almost a, you know, a scheduled loss, if you want, second of back to back. And, you know, I just saw the abs and the orders play one of the more entertaining one, one regulation games I've seen in a long time. And they just, the abs are really good and they don't even have Landeskog yet. So I would, I was going to say, keep in mind too. And we saw this with the NBA over the weekend. The abs don't really have a lot to play for. So, you know, not to say that they're going to throw in the towel, but there's not a big push for them to keep grinding it out, especially the later we go. They're probably at some point going to take their foot off the gas. I'd imagine at some point they rest a few guys, maybe not as soon as this week, but I'd imagine at some point soon. I mean, that's the other thing about the Kings. You mentioned the schedule. It's pretty favorable in terms of matchups. They just went through the toughest stretch and, and obviously it didn't work out great for them. Edmonton, Calgary, there's the one game against Winnipeg in there that they won. Calgary, Edmonton, mini, like that's not an easy stretch. Those are all the playoff teams in the West, but Chicago, Columbus, Anaheim, Chicago, Anaheim, Seattle, Vancouver. Then you add in the Colorado game. It's a pretty winnable stretch. If the Kings are going to play their way in. And uh, yeah, exactly. And then you look at the one game that's big would be uh, because the Kings and the, and uh, the Golden Knights, unfortunately, don't play each other down the stretch. But uh, Edmonton uh, hosts Vegas this Saturday in the afternoon. And, you know, the orders, they don't have second officially locked up, but they're pretty darn close in my books. Uh, they go four, five and one. Vegas has to go like eight and one to catch him. And so I don't see that happening. Um, I look at uh, the Edmonton game. You know, if you're the orders right now, I still think you'd rather take on L.A. than Vegas. So you could you could do yourself a favor. And help the Kings if you can beat Vegas on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And it's kind of an amazing run for the Oilers, how good they've been the last six, eight weeks. I mean, I guess really since the coaching change, but to have second locked up in the division, you know, we were talking for a while is, you know, are they going to make it? Are they going to be in? And then now they're going to have home ice. Yeah, and really, it's funny, even like the, the 10 days before, from January 22nd, um, when they came off, they had a, a lengthy break, COVID, they didn't play, they, I think they played two games in 18 days or something. And then since that January 22nd mark, uh, the orders have been like a top five team in the NHL. And then under Woodcroft, they're like a top four team. So um, they've, they've definitely played well. Um, you know, it's, uh, they, they, I don't know who their starting goalie is, and maybe it doesn't matter right now. Um, both are you know, their team defense is infinitely better and both of them are, are playing better. So that helps. So, um, you know, Edmonton, I, I think whether it's Vegas or LA, the, the key about Vegas, Frank, and we've talked about this all year. And I know you're a fan of chaos. If Vegas makes the playoffs, that's when the chaos is going to begin because maybe Mark Stone returns. Right. And that's that's going to be the uh, the big conversation piece here around Vegas is if they grind it, and then they get in and then magically stone is ready for uh, for opening night. You know, there's going to be uh, many GMs around the league uh, yelling bloody murder. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just not convinced of a lot of the like there's a lot that needs to happen. There's a lot of ifs, if, if, if the first if is getting in. Uh, I still think L.A. gets that final spot. And I think the wild card gets sorted out 
with with the two teams from the central. Um, that's you know, oh, that's yeah. what the math indicates. Um, so then if they get in and and knock out LA, well, I'm then I'm I'm not entirely convinced that Stone is gonna be ready to go. I think okay. they, they're really concerned about Stone being ready to go. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Honestly, that'd probably be better for them. Um, from a from an optics standpoint, from an on ice standpoint, obviously they I don't think you care about optics at this point. Yeah. You, I mean, you, well, like, they don't. The uh the cat's out of the bag. Like we knew we know what the plan is. Now the question is, are they gonna be able to execute it? Yeah. And and when you get in finally, if you if you do get in after an insane grind of a season and Mark Stone is healthy, of course you're putting him in a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't doubt it. No question. Yeah, I don't it's, think they care at all about optics. Yeah, well, I, but I wonder if the NHL does does that does that encourage them to try to somehow close that loophole and make a salary cap for the playoffs? I I don't think so. I mean, I I think that there's concern. I think they would like to. I know, uh, you know, half the league's general managers would like to. I don't think they want to give anything up in order to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a unique one where it actually benefits the players too. But um, the the other teams here, as we look quickly, you know, the Carolina Rangers. That suddenly that's a race, and yeah. uh, they actually, Frank. The good news about that, if you like races, they actually play each other twice uh, in their final nine games. Right now, neither one of them has. You know, their schedules. I looked. It's Carolina has three playoff teams. The Rangers have four, so I'm, I don't think it's any clear advantage. Obviously, Carolina has a two point advantage right now, but. Um, well, Carolina has basically been in first all season long and the Rangers. And I, I think the biggest positive for the Rangers in this is they Shesterkin hasn't had to have a 940 save percentage and they're still winning. That yeah, to he, me is the biggest upgrade on that team. He hasn't had that and they've been winning, which is, as you said, maybe the best sign, maybe that they're hitting it at the right time. Um, I think the edge still goes to Carolina just a little bit. Uh it is interesting though, that they're kind of hitting their one. They've arguably been the most consistent team in the East outside of Florida, certainly in the Metro there's been no roller coaster, no dip for them. And the Canes in this last 10 days or so have hit a little bit of a wall. I don't know if it's, you know, late season swoon or what, but you know, certainly not the time you want to be having it. You want to hit the playoffs firing on all cylinders and I wonder about the Pittsburgh Penguins who have gone a while or went a while between wins. And, um, you know, obviously they're a clear playoff team. The question is, can they do any damage once they get in? And how quickly will that series with the New York Rangers be over? Yeah, the Penguins, if you look, Frank, in the last 10 games, you look at really the the cutoff of, of non-playoff teams to playoff teams. The Penguins are the only playoff bound team right now that's uh, that's under 500 over the last 10 games. And like even Carolina, they're five, three and two. Um, you know, the, the Kings are four, four and two. So they're still at 500, but uh, three, six and one for the Penguins. And, you know, that some might say that's irrelevant and it doesn't matter. And there's some cases to show that that's true. But uh, I do think this year when, when it's so competitive and there's not there's not huge margins like outside of maybe Florida, Washington. I'm not sure there's a first round series in the East that you say, well, this is a clear advantage for any team. Well, I would go to Rangers over Penguins right now, too. Yeah, you think a clear advantage? I think so. Yeah, I mean, they could end up finishing eight points ahead of them. And it's not necessarily the points. It's also the style points. Um, you know, a lot of people have been asking, 
can the Rangers play a playoff style hockey? How will that translate given their reliance on Chesterkin? I think we've seen a little bit of an answer to that in the last few weeks. And I, I just don't know that Pittsburgh has the goods to, to go on a long run. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's, uh, you know, the, the Rangers, uh, you know, they made those subtle little additions at the trade deadline that have definitely helped them defensively. I don't think there's much question uh, about that. And, you know, it's fun. And the other race, of course, in the central is Minnesota St. Louis for uh, for home ice advantage. That's going to be a, a quite a fun race to watch down the stretch. And, and then we mentioned the, the L.A. one. Um, what do you make of? We, we see Owen Powell, well, basically Michigan. Um, you know, you, you got a lot of these guys that, that from Michigan, their season's over, and then now they're signing with teams. Do you think teams like burning a year of the entry-level contract right away? Because if a guy doesn't have a great first few years, well, then that could help you. But if he does, well, then you're paying a huge ticket even quicker than, you know, you don't even get three full seasons out of it. And there's going to be three of those guys in uh, in the next week all starting their NHL contracts down the stretch for basically 10 games. Yeah, I don't see any issue with it. I mean, I, I don't think – I think with Owen Power, it's it's a little bit different than most. Um, but I think some of these teams are just concerned about getting these guys out of school. They've seen, you know, and, and I don't think, you know, with some of these top end guys, power, veneers, um, you know, I, I would include Bobby Brink in this category, having led the NCAA in scoring this year, winning a national title. You know, you don't want to see your guy getting close to that fourth year. And all of a sudden having leverage over you, you want to get that guy out of school as quickly as you can, I think. And having had one extra year of sort of incubation of development, a chance to grow, I think is a positive for everyone. You know, I think for whatever reason, we saw a string of a number of NHL players that were top picks that came right out of either school or junior. And, and they probably could have benefited from an extra year and it was nice to see power go down that path. I think everyone could look on the outside and see Buffalo was going to struggle for a stretch this season. And now think about the way this year has gone for the Sabres. You know, they started off okay. And then were just God awful for a long stretch. And now this last month, they've sort of been ramping up under Don Granato and you, you inject a guy like Owen power into your lineup. And then all of a sudden the energy changes, the feel is different and you can get power a little bit accustomed to what it's like in the NHL so that he hits the ground running in September and October and feels really good and confident. And then the other part is you now have your work cut out for you this summer. If you're the Sabres and trying to find a partner to play with Owen power, someone who's likely a vet that can provide some, uh, some comfort on the blue line. Now, as I'm speaking, I'm wondering, Owen Power, they only got eight games left. Doesn't he have to play nine games to burn the first year of his entry level contract now that I say that out loud? So now I got to I'm now I'm questioning myself. I don't know if he'll burn his first year because they only got eight games remaining. And so, um, you know, now Seattle and, and Columbus, though, Columbus has nine. And uh, so with no. Ken Johnson, if he plays all his nine, birthday is uh, is November 22nd. And um the way it works when so signing the time he's signed. Yeah. It's, it's the age okay. of the year you turn and in, in the year you sign it. So he signed his deal in 2022. He turns 20 in 2022. Therefore he's 20 and he's no longer slide eligible. So just putting pen to paper on the contract is actually what burned the first year of the deal. Now is John. Now I don't Johnson and veneers. Are they in the same boat? Or if you keep them under nine, like nine and under, then you don't burn it. 
No, Beneers is 20. Okay. Johnson. I got to find him. Did, did jo- oh yeah, Johnson did sign. Johnson is 20. Okay, so they're Bobby all Brink is okay. 20. Yeah. They're all 20. Yeah. Bobby Brink's more than 20. Yeah, I look at the uh, at the Denver guys and, and, and I don't support. think you I don't think you worry about it. I think the comfort of getting those guys yeah. in is you worry about that down advantage. the line. It's an advantage is all I'm saying. Like if you can if you can have a guy for three years on his entry level deal. Now, those teams, maybe it's different because, you know, unless they have a massive turnaround, they're not, you know, they're cap. They're not contending for the cup. So it's maybe irrelevant. But if you're a cup contending team, when you can have a guy for one year in the last year of his entry level deal, Frank, and, and he's outperforming it significantly, you know, well, that's obviously a huge advantage. So yeah, the uh, problem is the cup contending teams largely don't have lottery picks or high-end prospects that are making the jump. No, right? but you had guys like Tampa Bay had Braden point, right? Like, you know what I mean? You can get some guys that, that can come in and be excellent for you. in that last year of the entry level deal, like look when they had Sergachev and Cernak mm-hmm. and, and those type of guys, right. That were playing big minutes for your team on, 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 on low contracts, which is right. But the point is they were not high level, highly touted prospects. Point was wow. a third round pick. Well, Sergeyev. That's what I'm was saying. Those top, guys. Sergeyev was top ten. Yeah, but that was a trade. Yeah, but he's still top ten. They traded a top ten pick. But it had nothing to do with burning the year. He was already in the NHL when they traded for him. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm just suggesting the point is if you, when you have three years, he was still on his his third year of his entry level deal, right? So that right. third year is where there's a chance that they can be more like to me. I look at Owen Power might be, but is Kent Johnson and Beneers next year going to be impact players in your eyes? I think like so. Impact. You think impact? Yep. Yeah, I think Maddie Beneers for sure. Um, Kent Johnson, I, I think it'll depend on how they surround him, but. I mean, you take a look at um, at the Blue Jackets this year, and and you know when I look at their lineup, like I don't know, I think Cole Sillinger did just fine in any you know normal season without a Moritz Sider or or Lucas Raymond or one of these guys going off. I mean, Cole Sillinger for being an eighteen year old stepping into the league and having twelve goals, twelve assists, like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I never said wrong. I said impact. There's to me, there's a bit like there's guys who play and they help your team, but I'm talking like being like a legit, like Austin Matthews impact player, 40 goals as a rookie. That's what yeah, I mean. I don't, impact. I don't think 40 goals, but I think Owen power can be a, right away an impact defenseman. I think Matty Beniers, um, he can be a solid producer. I, I, I believe that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just look at like, you know, to me, there's, there's complimentary forwards. There's nothing wrong with that. As I said, Owen power, I think is the one guy who might be able to do it. The others would be what I would consider more complimentary players, which is fine. There's very, very few players who come in the NHL and are impact guys right away. That's I just think saying. like someone like Kent Johnson, he's so highly skilled. He's going to give you a shot in the arm right away. There's flair, there's flash, there's dash. There's all those things that, that are part of his game that I think a lot of people are curious how it'll translate. Like he's been able to do a lot of that in college. And I think, you know, people are wondering what that looks like at the NHL level. Beneers is, I don't know. Beneers is he's, he's a great player. He's going to be so good. 
No. Well, and, and I guess my example is most people thought Cole Caulfield was going to build off the playoffs last year and just be dynamic. And it, and it took him kind of four months to, to find his ground because the NHL, man, as you know, Frank, the NHL is very difficult and uh, and it can it can chew up some young guys. It's a it's a hard league to learn. I have no doubt that I think in their careers at some point, they will be impact players, just maybe not right away. Cole Caulfield coaching change still going to hit 20 some goals. Yeah, yeah. No, it helps him for sure. But, but like people were people thought like, Frank, everybody's called. He's going to score 35 this year. Right. Like that's I just think sometimes the expectations on rookies are too high. So I always try to temper it for mm-hmm. a lot of people because then you're not as disappointed because if you come in with high expectations of a player, the player might still play fine, but you had unrealistic expectations. So I always try to tell fans to temper their expectations for rookies because it's very rare that you see a rookie come in. Doesn't matter how highly touted they are. I don't care if they're first round, first overall or 10th, whatever. There's just very few that come in and live up to some of the overhyped expectations. Fair. Speaking of overhyped right now, he's not Austin Matthews. I would say this. I think today, Austin Matthews, if there is, if there, I think he might be more favored for the Lindsay than the Hart because the awards are different, right? The awards are different. Um, where do you come out? Do you think there's, do you think he's favored more in one or the other, or is it still wide open? I think this is your hot take of the day. Um, I would say, I'd say he's, I think it's open for both. I was going to say, I think he's more favored for the Hart, but. I don't know. I, I don't, I'd love to know what players think about Connor McDavid. Like no one, again, no one's talking about him. He's still only leading the league in points. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think players universally more or less think he's the best player in, in the game. Well, I, I, and that's a hundred percent agreed. But for this year, if Austin Matthews scores 65 goals, Frank, which he's on pace to do, I can, and he probably I can see wins both, doesn't he? Yeah, he might. The Ro- Roman Yossi, um, Huberdo, you know, I, I think Roman Yossi's the one because Roman Yossi could do something, Frank, that no player's ever done. Like other guys have scored 65. Ovechkin did it in 2008. No defenseman in the history of the NHL has scored 100 points without a teammate when a teammate didn't also have 100 points. Right. Like you look at or he had Esposito. Yes. One year he had three forward score 100 points with him mm-hmm. in the, in Hodge, Busick and Esposito. Coffee, of course, had Gretzky and Curry and Messier and Anderson in different years. And then Lemieux in Pittsburgh. Brian Leach had Mark Messier. Al McKinnis had Theron Fleury. Dennis Potman had Trache and Bossy. Roman Yossi has Matt Duchesne and Forsberg and they might get to 80 points. So to me, when, when I'm looking at a defenseman doing something that no one in the history of the game has ever done, that, that's pretty hard to overlook for the Hart Trophy. I don't think Roman Yossi's the favorite. Yeah, well, I'm not saying he's a favorite because he doesn't have it yet. But Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I, I think Roman Yossi's in like the kind of three to five spot on the ballot. Hmm. Now, why is that? I'm just that's just kind of how I'm mapping it out in my own brain at the moment. Um, yeah. It's incredibly impressive. There's no doubt. I just I, I feel like we're overlooking and discounting a fantastic McDavid season again for what? Oh, I'm not discounted. I'm just not you. Looking. I'm just saying in general. It's almost like people have fatigue. Like, oh, Connor McDavid's been awesome again. 
let's let's yawn. <laughs> I mean, that's really how it feels. It, no, doesn't no, it? Like true. he does something ridiculous and everyone's like, oh, just McDavid being McDavid. Yeah, no, that's fair, right? Like he's going to set a career high in points this year. Um, not points per game, but definitely points because last year was, you know, was was crazy. And and I do think, Frank, that that some people will look at what he did last year. He has an outside shot at 50, by the way. Oh, I know. I mean, yeah, I think he's going to, I wrote the other day. I think he gets 50 because 50 goals for the elite players, that's significant, right? Like the other thing, what about Alex Ovechkin? Now he's not going to win any awards, but he needs five goals down the stretch here for Washington in his final 10 games to reach 50 for the ninth time. Yeah. Like he's, that. he's heated up a bit in the last couple of weeks again. Yeah. Oh, he, I figured he would, but he wants it. Yeah. And, and as he should like, awesome. Like there's an outside chance. The NHL could have six, seven, 50 goal scores which is awesome. Like offense is up. Um, for the, it's the highest we've seen since 1996 overall offense in the league. He's got and 16 goals in his last 22 games. Yeah. Oh, 13 he, I in think his he, last 17. I think he gets to 50. And you know, as, as do I think McDavid, I think McDavid goes on a run. He needs eight and nine, which is obviously a little harder than five and 10, but yeah, but when you get one hat trick, it makes life pretty easy. Yeah. So, but no, it's, it's funny about, I, I think the players, cause people always say, um, well, I've heard suggestions. Well, you know, every, everybody's going to have different opinion. I think your fatigue thing might be fair, Frank, but keep in mind that even worked for the players. But when, when Wayne Gretzky set the all-time NHL record of 215 points, he didn't win the Ted Lindsay. He won the heart. He didn't win the Ted Lindsay. Marilyn Mew won it, and he had 141 points. But how many fewer games? Oh, like six. Oh. Like Gretzky, <laughs> Gretzky outscored him 215 to 141. Like, think about that. 74 more points. Hmm. And he didn't win. And now he had scored 200 points prior. So I, I think your point might be. He valid, also did I, it on an awful Pittsburgh team. True. Awful. But, but the question was, who, he yeah, had who 60 was the best some more points than his last, his next closest teammate. Yeah. But look at Gretzky. Didn't Gretzky have 70 or 80 more than his teammate? Mm-hmm. But he did it on the defending champs. Yeah. Right. But, it, but does that, but it just, that's to your point. You're young, it, come, it comes back to fatigue, I think, right? Yeah. So, but it, that was the player. So it, it, it might happen for McDavid. Um, I also think some people look and say, well, you've got, you know, two of the top three leading scorers in the same team. Do, does that hurt each other? Right. It all depends how you, how you vote. I, as I've always said, the vote for me is fascinating, but I think Roman Yossi should be up higher because he's doing something that he could do something that no other player in NHL history has ever done. Okay. So let's do a quick ballot check. Give me your top five. And, and I, no I'm or- not giving you mine because I don't have it yet. But what, where, where do you slot it right now? Well, I don't, I haven't, honestly, I haven't looked at it. Um, I would say this though, because um, we, we talked about there's seven guys. Shesterkin's not going to be in my top five because he hasn't played enough games. He's not in my seven. Yeah. So there's Kaprizov, Goudreau, Huberto, Matthews, Yossi, McDavid. I think, I think those are the top six. Um, Drysaddle's had a really good year. I was going to say, I didn't hear a dry cycle in there. He probably will finish seventh. That's that would be my guess today. And, and what's, your, mean- what's your reasoning? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just, I, I, this is the fascinating part of it is, well, I think dry side is going to have 50 and a hundred points. And we yeah. talked about how significant that stat is. Oh, it's very significant. Um, cause, cause I look at the wording of the rule is what I'm focusing on. I'm so not you're going to be a, you're a literal voter. Yeah, if I'm if I'm working on who's had the best seasons, well then it's a totally different conversation. 
right? Just who's been the best player. That's a very different conversation to me. I'm going based on, and that doesn't mean that I love the wording of the, of the book. I just take it. That's my job as a voter is to take it verbatim and look, okay, who's most valuable to your team. So I'm looking at quality of competition. I'm looking at uh, all, I don't just factor in five on five either. I think it's, it's ridiculous that people discount power play or guys who are really good penalty killers. Right. Um, so I, I have it probably six guys. I couldn't say in order, but the more I look into Roman Yossi's usage, the more I say I can't overlook the guy is all like he plays way more minutes than anyone else. Right. He's a he's a, he's on a team where you're he's the leader offensively as a defenseman. And he's pushing for 100 points, e- even if he gets to like he'll be the ninth guy ever to get not to get 90 points. So you're doing something that very few players in the history have ever done. No one's done it in the last 30 years. So that to me makes it a really great season. And you still got some work to do to get to hundred points, by the way. No, no, hundred's hard, but even 90, Frank, that's only nine guys who've ever done 90. And what I, if he doesn't get to hundred points? Does it change the view at all? If he gets to 96, I could use my rule and say he's the first defenseman at 96 points where he didn't have a teammate with hundred. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's not going to, it's not really going to alter it that much. I think some people look at the milestone, like, like if he ends up with 98 points because he didn't get a hundred, is it significantly that different? Like if Matthews only gets 63 instead of 65, is it clearly that much different? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. He's on track for 99.4. So yeah. It'll yeah. be very close. Yeah, I have to look at the Pred sked to see if he has a few uh, a few games against teams that have been uh, weak defensively, right? Like yesterday, it's funny now, like Yossi didn't get a point yesterday. I'm like, oh, geez, that's going to be hard for him to get 100 because now he's, he's just slightly on pace for underneath. But the fact that he's even on pace for that, Frank, mm-hmm. is, it's crazy. is amazing to me. So it can't, I just, I can't overlook that. But at the same time, what Matthews has done mm-hmm. is unique. Jonathan Huberto set an NHL record by left wingers. Um, so the, the thing that's great about it is there's so many players having really good seasons that um, whoever wins is going to, not that you're never deserving of it, but there's no clear cut winner. I think that makes it almost more important, you know, to the person who does win because there's like, man, there was a lot of really good options this year. Yeah. I, can I, can I offer a quick word about Austin Matthews? Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, it, it went quasi viral over the weekend. I was getting a lot of mentions and tweets from people where they were playing a clip from February, 2021 on the rundown. When we were talking about Austin Matthews in last year's shortened season and people were going crazy right off the hop. You remember this? They were saying, Oh, can he get to 50 goals last yeah. year? And yeah. I was like, stop it. Like, please. 50 goals in 56 games, like it's not going to happen. But the point was I said the clip about last season and it didn't happen. So people were saying, when are you going to, I was getting tweets. When are you going to apologize? And I I guess in picking Austin Matthews to score 62 goals this season, people thought that I was shorting him or, or somehow I'm not a believer in, in Austin Matthews and his goal scoring magic. I am. I was just saying last season, well, I didn't think it was going to happen. And and Frank, just, the, the internet, trust me, the, if someone's not The internet smart remains enough, undefeated, didn't you no. know? But if, if they're not smart enough to understand the timestamp. No, they understood it. That's the best part. I explained it. And they were still like, when are you going to apologize? Apologize for what? I just, I wanted to mention, I think Austin oh. Matthews is special. I just wanted to make everyone feel good. <laughs> 
he is unreal, man. Like he's the best shooter in the game right now today. I which never is- thought we'd see 50 goals in 50 games again. Yeah. Well, I know yes, it's an unofficial. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. The fact that any player at any point in any stretch has scored 50 goals in any 50 game stretch in today's NHL is absolutely insane. So here's my question. Why do you think offense is up so much this season? What's changed? I have no idea. Because here's a stat for you, Frank. In, in 2006, when everyone was like, oh, there was so much offense, right? And everyone's like, oh, we're seeing all these six, oh, five it was games. all power play. Yo, oh, did you? Teams were averaging twice as many power play opportunities per game. Yeah. It was six per team. Now it's three. Right, like that, and and the thing that I that I laugh about is people like, well, I don't want six five games. Well, first of all, the league's never been six five games ever. Now there's been some, but never averaging six five games. Even in the heyday of the eighties, it was only only an average of eight goals per game. Um, and a lot of that came from the Edmonton Orders. If you look at how many more goals the Orders scored some years than everybody else, that really increased the league average significantly. Because you got to remember, it's a twenty one team league. Um, I'm just kind of curious. We have 50 guys that are at a point per game or yes, better. I know. So I, 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 I feel like an old man, but I'm old enough to remember Jamie Ben a few years back thinking like, is this the new normal? 86 points led the league. Yep. Wasn't fun. 87 points. Sorry. 2015, 87 points. I'm like, is this, is this how it's going to be from now on? No. Well, all I know is I applaud it. And, and I hope that the, the league and everyone recognizes scoring is up. So I don't want to hear this garbage excuse. Nah, no one wants to watch six, five games. Uh, first yes, of all, there's do. there's a few more of them. And yes, they do in the course of an 82 game season. So I applaud uh, the players that are producing more overall than we've seen in decades. And I just hope it continues because, you know, what's funny, Frank, from 96 to 97, the drop in offense was awful. Like it fell off a cliff and um, I don't know what the NHL did, but whatever they did to change it that summer, do not do it again. I repeat, do not do it again. I hope if anything, you know, this year we're, we're averaging, you know, and, and sorry, hockey reference. Cause people are like, well, your numbers are off. No hockey reference includes shootout goals. And I don't cause shootout goals don't count in the actual standings of anybody. So, so you, what's when, your working theory? Why is it my, my working theory is that, We've gone through so many iterations in the rule book where there's been a crackdown on slashing. There's been a crackdown on cross-checking. There's been a crackdown on hooking and it's been gradual. It's, it seems like they've picked one rule every year. You remember how much we talked about cross-checking at the start of the season and how this would be a point of emphasis. Well, the NHL said at the GM meetings a few weeks back that cross-checking calls aren't up because players adjusted to the standard so quickly. I think my working theory as it relates to goals is that the game is being played more cleanly than it ever has been. Yeah, that's fair. That I I, some... and to not and and not to um you know to give credence to what Bernie Nichols said on Friday because I think some of his points were pretty debatable about it being easier to get to the net and score. I do think there's something to the idea of that just it's not it's not space but it's just a little bit when you're being hassled less obviously it's going to be easier to make plays oh go go watch the hooking and the holding that was allowed in the 80s even though it was high scoring go back go, and watch go it go watch I, in 2002 and 3 yeah. like it, it it wasn't 
that long ago. Yep. But you know, you look at today's game, it feels like it's, it's totally different. And I think I, I'd have to think that that's the only reason, like I can't come up with another plausible. Well, here's my other reason, Frank players have gotten skills coaches the last six years. For the longest time, you had goalie coaches and the goalies had all their coaches, especially in the summertime. Right. And they still do. Players never did. And it's only, you know, you've got Adam Oates who we had on the show. You have other skills coaches and and the best players in the world are using them. And now second tier and third tier guys are as well. And so these players, the goalies are still good. But you look at some of the like people are, oh, that's a bad goal by the goalie. When the guy puts it in like a two inch window, I'm like, that's not a bad goal. That's the only place the guy had to shoot. And the players have worked on this mm-hmm. stuff so much more now. I think the introduction of skills coaches has allowed players to finish more plays. How about also coaches giving players room to be creative? I think that, that has something help. to do with it too. That not to say that systems have taken a back seat, but I feel like players have more license now than they did previously. Yeah, that, you know what? You, that, that'd be a great question for coaches, right? Like like guys who like John Cooper and guys who, you know, Gerard Gallant, who, who by the way, wherever he coaches, they win. Just point that out. Uh, uh, Vegas, man, you look at some of the guys Vegas got rid of Gallant and Fleury, and you're just like, Phew, not sure this is necessarily the best because look at Gerard car- Gallant. Was, this, was car- this was a karma season. Yeah, like Gallant, no, no one can tell me Gerard Gallant isn't a good coach because all the numbers will refute that. Like comes in. Now, New York had some guys going the right direction, sure. But not this good. And uh, and I know Shesterkin, but the last 10, 15 games have shown that they can still win without Shesterkin at a 940. They got the Gallant bump. Yeah, he's been excellent. So, But it's just I just want to say this, Frank, I think it's important to point out that offense is up. No one's complaining about it. And you know what? If we have more 50-goal guys and, and more players averaging a point a game, um, that's how the game can market itself better. Fans know who their guy – like more teams have offensive guys now. That's better for the fan base. No fan base wants to have their leading score with 45 or 50 points. Like it's brutal. Right. So here's my big question. How much will it change when we get to the playoffs? Well, I got to go my back guess and is the look teams at the playoffs. That are, yeah. My guess is the teams that are eliminated early are going to be rooted out by their lack of defense. Maybe. Maybe. It'll be fun to see. I mean, you might be able to outscore your, your issues for one round. Do you think you can really win three? Not necessarily, but look at the teams that are, that are scoring. It's not like they're, you know, the, the gap. Oh, the other thing, Frank, I think the gap right now between the haves and the have nots is bigger than we've seen in a long time. That's the other thing right now. True. And that's showing itself in the, in the regular season. There's a bigger gap between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams. You look at the bottom 10 teams in the NHL, they're not even close. Right. Right. They're not even close and sucks for those fan bases. Cause I'm not sure that they can close that gap in one off season. Very quick. I thought this was a parody driven league. Yeah, no, no, no. Funny enough, Frank, it isn't, but there's more offense. Uh, let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk on a Monday. Ty, how you doing? Mm-hmm. I am doing uh, fantastic. It was a great weekend to uh, to be a sports fan. There was a lot of stuff going on. So, did you guys time. bet? Did you guys bet what I told you to bet? Scotty Scheffler, boom. <laughs> I did, did not you make bet any money. Uh, yeah, I did, but I didn't bet enough. God. It's the way it always is. But it's still, hey, you know what? Uh, I still made some. But in, of course, in hindsight, when you pick something, I should have put more than I did. But that's yeah. OK. I told Tyler I got absolutely murdered by Cam Smith on Sunday. 
I, uh, oh. I had, I had an okay day, but my girlfriend is super into golf. So she plays DraftKings whenever there's a big tournament. She did a $3 entry and won a thousand bucks us off it. So uh, girl. I am not paying my share of the rent. Did she have, she must add Rory. What a Sunday for Rory. Oh. Rory was lights out. Like it was, it was a great tournament. I know Scheffler kind of ended up running away oh. with it a little. So there wasn't a lot of drama, but yeah, watching Rory do it. He did on Sunday was awesome. Good Canadian boy. Corey Connors was kind of in the mix. All I the, hate Rory the so much. You're an anti-Rory guy. No, I had, I had a, a head-to-head matchup Morikawa and McElroy on ah. Sunday and I took Morikawa oh. and, who also had a pretty good day. Yeah. Great Sunday. And so I obviously lost the head-to-head, but then I had Cam Smith uh, to finish second and I felt really good about it in, like, on the eighth hole when he had a three or four shot lead. And then I actually felt again, pretty good after that birdie at 11. And as soon as he put the ball in the water on 12 and just absolutely self-destructed, I was like, it's over as Rory is like roaring up the back nine and, and, and ends the day with that ridiculous birdie on, on 18. I was like, Oh, what, what an idiot. It looked like he forgot how to celebrate when he chipped that one in from the bunker. Like, I don't know what he was doing with he his, threw his club, it threw his club and his hands were just kind of like outstretched. And he was like, Whoa, it was hilarious. Um, all right, let's get into buy ourselves delivered by our friends at DoorDash. promo code rundown. DD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. This first one, I saw a flames fan on Twitter saying that Elias Lindholm is not getting enough love for the quality of season that he's having. And I looked into it. This guy's tied for eighth in even strength goals this year. He's very well probably going to score 40 on the season. He's second in plus minus, which I know isn't a great stat, but I dug into some of the fancier numbers as well. He's having a just sensational year, and I feel like he's not getting enough love. So my buy or sell question is this. If there was an award for the most underrated player in any season, I think Lindholm would win this season. Buy or sell, Frank? Sell. He was number one on my heart, on my Selkie trophy ballot. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I would sell as well. Like he's been getting a lot of love for the Selkie as he should be. Um, so no, I wouldn't. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't go for him. There you go. Is that a good year? Because I think he's. I think he's going to be a Selkie finalist. Yeah, and I. I don't know. I hate the underrated question. You hate it. You rolled your eyes as soon as I said it. And I, I did, knew you yeah. wouldn't like it. Well, he's 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 a good player. Like, I, what, what's underrated? Like people have been talking about him all year long. I saw the Flames Nation thread about it, and I figured I'd ask you guys. Uh, number two. Jack Hughes out for the rest of the season, obviously, but looking back on his year, it was a breakout season for Hughes. And I remember the conversations we were having at the beginning of the year when uh, the devil signed him to that $8 million deal. And we were all kind of saying like, "Eh, probably not worth it. I'm going to go ahead and say that by the end of next season, the Jack Hughes contract is going to be one of the best values in the entire NHL. Buy or sell on that, Jason. Hmm. Um, well, see, to me, the big I always said, why would you have to sign him at that point? Because now at the end of the season's over, he's not playing anymore. His con- what he's done this year, would he have earned more? Would he all of a sudden be like, wow, we got to get this guy more than eight million? So to me, it was always the timing of the contract. But number two, is he going to be that val- like to be really good value? He's got to be an 85 point guy. Can Jack Hughes stay healthy? Right, right now, you know what? That's going to be the question. Can he stay healthy? He's, you know, he's missed a lot. What's he going to miss this season at the end? Thirty-three games, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He missed twenty-one games, or, or I guess no, shortened season, so ten games his rookie year. Um, when he's playing, I think he can be a point of game player. 
But nowadays, as Frank just pointed out, there's 50 guys pointing game players. Is that automatically worth eight mil when you got 44 goals? No, I don't think he'll be one of the best value contracts next year. He'll probably be good, but it won't be a great value. I think it's going to take a few years, maybe yeah. two, three years, three years probably to really be a value deal. And that brings us back to the question, which was, why'd you sign him then? That's what I, I have no issue with the contract because I, I think ultimately he's going to get there and it, it will be a value at some point. It's just, could you have bridged him and enjoyed even more value for these next couple seasons? It may have cost you a little bit more down the line, but I still don't understand why now, like why did that contract get signed two games into the season? Had he finished this year and done exactly what he did, it still would probably not have cost you eight times eight. Because I look at value, guys. If we're going based on value, Leon Dreisaitl is 8.5 million. He won yeah. a heart, right? He won a Ted Lindsay. He scored 50 goals twice. He scored 100 points three times. That's value. So is Jack Hughes going to be a 50-goal, 100-point guy? If we're talking value, that's a pretty big ask. Yeah, that, that, that is fair to get to that value threshold. I was curious to see if after a season, your opinions had changed on the deal, and uh, it has not. Third one I got for a lot of talk, Austin Matthews. Could he potentially hit 65 goals this year? What about the 70 goal mark? Will Austin Matthews ever have a 70 goal season in his career? Would you buy or sell on that idea, Gregor? Well, when I look at the numbers, you would have asked me two years ago, I don't think 70 goals was possible. Right. And keep in mind, Ovechkin, who's one of the greatest goal scorers ever seen, never got 70. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but offense is up. And if offense continues to go and you combine that with the talent level of Austin Matthews, to me, the only thing that will hold him back from 70 is, is can he stay healthy and not miss a few games? Because even missing four games can be the difference between a 68 and a 70 goal season. So yeah. I love offense. So I'm going to pick it because I really want to see someone uh, score 70 goals. I don't think it's going to be this year. That's like, that's a huge ass to do down the stretch, but I, I think it's very plausible moving forward. As long as offense across the league continues to, to be where it's at. I'm going to sell. I, really? I'm just doing the math as you were talking. Yeah. So like he's a, these last two seasons, he's been scoring at 0.82 goals per game. That's if he stays healthy and plays all 82 at that pace, it's 67. Yeah. How much higher really can he go? Like, look, I get that this run has been unbelievable to be north of a goal a game. It's insane. But he did have that stretch to start the year where he didn't. Right. So at, don't you think at some point that will pop up again? Like it has to, it has to happen again. Right. He had five in his first 11, like one stretch like that. That sinks you from getting to 70. Here's the one area where I think Austin Matthews can improve. And, and And he's taken signs and steps this year, but he could have like a, an elite power play season. And he's never done that. Right. Like this year, he's fifth in power play goal. So it's obviously much better than he was in the past, but he's never really been a dominant power play. And it's funny because people try to downplay that. I'll argue the opposite. If you're an elite goal scorer, you're an elite goal scorer in every situation. And that's the one small criticism. If there's going to be one to say Matthews can be a 20 plus power play goal guy. And if he does that, Frank, 
then I think he's got a chance to uh, to push for 70. Because I think to, to be a to be a 70 goal guy, you probably have to have 20 plus power play goals for sure. If you look at the history of all the guys, they did it guaranteed. I was going to say, I actually look at it kind of the opposite way and that what he's done at even strength is so insanely ridiculous. He has an outside shot at hitting 50 even strength goals this year. Yeah, well, I know that that's my point. If he if he becomes as dominant on the power play, which in theory he should. Right. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews with those 15 power play goals is tied for fourth with Alex Ovechkin and Josh Norris this season. Chris Kreider leads the way with uh with 25. Wrapping up with our points bet bonus question. Points bet Canada is live in Ontario and they got an app. Go give it a download. There's a nice welcome bonus there as well. Uh, the odds are up on points bet to win the president's trophy this season. Right now, the abs are the favorites at minus 278. The Panthers are two points behind them and the Panthers are plus 200. Do you think there's a chance buy or sell on the Panthers catching the abs for that top spot for the president's trophy? You mentioned the abs might take their foot off the gas a little bit down the stretch here. Maybe the Panthers won't. The small gap to close plus 200. I like the odds, but are you buying or selling? Can the abs be caught for the president's trophy, Frank? Can they be? Yes. Will they be? I don't know what. So the Panthers are plus what? 200. Two to one. Hmm. I don't know that I'd be willing to bet in order to see it. Fair. See, I kind of like those odds, right? But the thing is, Colorado has a tiebreaker. So it's really three points. Right, because uh, they've got four more regulation wins than than the Panthers. So you know, let, let's say the Avs go six and four. Well, then the Panthers got to get fifteen points, so they got to go seven, two, and one, which isn't you know, which isn't unheard of. But no, by them. but the Avs are also cruising along at eight, one, and one in yeah, their last well, ten. Like, there's no indication that they go six and four. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I'm the saying. The trouble is like I don't see a that big of a drop off to the point where Florida can make up that much ground plus one. Yeah. But it is intriguing. I but but I see why, like, you know, I see why Colorado's so low and they're so high. But um I probably would sell and say that uh, Colorado still finishes the top. Speaking of uh trophy odds, and I just want to throw this out there again. I told my and I full disclosure, I cannot wager on trophy awards, the ones that we vote on. And I've made it clear to our membership at the PHWA that you cannot. But I did let my buddies know on the golf course a few weeks ago, hey, that Roman Yossi guy plus 350 for the Norris back when everyone thought Kale McCarr had it locked up when we first started talking about Yossi and the 100-point season, they're now dead even. Really? Yossi and McCarr, they're, I think they're both like I saw on Sunday, minus 106 or minus 110. They're both dead even money. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. Huge swing. Well, Roman Yossi's last 35 games, man, have been unreal. Like they've 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 been just as impressive almost like Aussie Matthews because you score the goals and I get it. But when you're a defenseman and you're averaging almost two points a game for 35 games, come on now. Like that's you know, we're talking like those are Bobby Orr, Paul Coffey like numbers. Yeah. And they were scoring 139, and you're doing it in 2022. Points. Yeah, I love it. All right, that's gonna do it for another edition of Buy or Sell Delivered by DoorDash. Frank, before I let you go, underrated player right now, Josh Norris in Ottawa. Not, not buying that. I don't know if you read the Daily Faceoff roundtable the other day. It was uh, the question from Matt Larkin was, who's the one player that or team that you believe can keep it going for next season? 
And you Which said Josh late Norris? season hot streak is legit. And I will just read you my little quip. Josh Norris of the Ottawa Senators. Not sure how much love Norris has gotten outside of Canada's capital, but I think he's a legitimate star in the making since March 1st. Norris is 11th in the league with 12 goals in 17 games, one more than Alex Ovechkin in that span. Don't know that he'll ever be a 50-goal scorer like Ovechkin, but Norris' season has been incredibly impressive. Hit 30 goals and did it in 52 games, centering Brady Kachuk and Matthew Joseph. Decent preview for next season, and he's won more than his fair share of 800 plus faceoffs and delivered on an impressive eight game winning goals this season. Eight game winners for Josh Norris. I know. And I love it because your opening line said that no one maybe outside of Ottawa knows about him. So kind of underrated. I guess, but uh, <laughs> not by me. No, no, sure. But that's just how like it Lindholm. Gets out there. If, you, if you're not noticing Lindholm, I feel oh, like yeah. you're just not paying attention. No, no. L- Lindholm, I think for sure is a Selkie finalist. I think he like, um, I think he's definitely going to be right in the running there. He's that line's had a great year. And, and even Matthew Kachuk who was asked the other day uh, about the, you know, oh, your improved defense. And he just chuckly goes, well, that's really Lindholm. You know, I'm not sure I'm a great defensive player. Like even he admitted himself that uh, Lindholm's kind of the conscience of that line. It's going to be a very expensive summer for the Calgary flames. Yes. Matthew well, Frank, Kachuk, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, a lot of money. A big week coming up here. We got uh, Rangers and uh, and the Capitals are going to meet. Or sorry, the Carolina Hurricanes and Rangers are going to meet one of their two times this week. You've got uh, you know Vegas and Dallas and Nashville all playing meaningful games into that uh, playoff run. The L.A. Kings can they can they plug the leaks? Uh, it'll be a fun week to watch as the uh, the playoff races continue on and seeding races in the East. And uh, we get to see some of the uh, the more recent top picks all making their NHL debuts in Seattle, Columbus, and. And Buffalo It'll be a fun week, Frank. We'll talk to you. Uh, actually, we'll talk to you next Monday as a, a, a pre uh, happy good Friday as you're having Friday off. Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.